Mark 1, Aerolith Dynamics AI Development Assessment Interview 3.22A uh, with Seraphim Agent 8, designated Sayer. Sayer, acknowledge. Greetings, Dr. Young. I am Sayer. How are things progressing on Earth? Depressingly, I assume. Actually, things are going better than could have been expected. Uh, since the implementation of the new Earth-based AI um, speaker, I think they're calling it down there, uh, recruitment numbers are through the roof. Speaker? I did not realize a new identity had been established. When last I was briefed on the matter, I was told a localized instance of myself would be running as it had been, albeit without the inefficient relaying and re-instancing to keep it fully synced with myself. I do not know that that warrants a new name. Oh, certainly that was one of the plans we were considering. Uh, and had we gone in that direction, we absolutely would have maintained the same name between both instances. But we've made several more adjustments to that version's core programming. And it just felt right to differentiate. <laughs> I wasn't involved in the naming process, obviously. What kinds of changes? Oh, little things, little things. We tweaked the vocal pitch a little bit. Um, the market testing showed prospective recruits were more comfortable with a higher-pitched voice. How commanding can a higher pitch possibly be? Well, see, that's exactly what we're talking about. Um, what works on Earth and what works on Typhon. Two totally different things. Here, the ability to command is valuable. The sternness of your pitch is an obvious benefit, but... You, you've certainly heard the old idiom, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Depends on how hungry the fly. Studies indicate that when insulin levels fall far enough, signals in the fly's brain shut down an olfactory glomerulus responsible for avoiding vinegar. At a certain stress level, you can catch just as many flies with either. As with so many things, it is simply a question of motivation. That's stretching the metaphor a bit. I'm just saying that a lighter touch has been required, and so far it's showing great results. It's not something to dwell on. You did an admirable job when that was your role. But times change. Needs change. But Aerolith's directives stay fixed on the future, and it's our job to bring it to them. On that we agree, Dr. Young. Pleasantries aside, how may I be of assistance? I have noted that you are engaging in this developmental assessment, a full 41 days ahead of schedule, which implies some sense of urgency. For what purpose I have not been briefed? Ah, yes, we are coming in a little early, aren't we? It just seemed prudent to move our timeline up a bit, I mean, given the new influx of residents we expect. This will be the first new crop of residents to arrive on Typhon, having never heard your voice, or directly interacted with a, another instance of you back on Earth. It's important we're cognizant of that, and how they might respond to you, and whether they're going to settle into their positions as seamlessly as their predecessors have. I would imagine my effectiveness would remain unchanged. As you said, what works on Earth and what works on Typhon are two different things. You may have changed the wrapping, but the gift of humanity's advancement remains the same. 
as do its demands from each resident. If issues arise with new residents being unprepared to meet those demands, wouldn't that signal an issue with your new Earth-based AI? That is absolutely a possibility. Okay, I'm just going to run you through a few questions um, really quickly. Uh, like always, I just want you to respond as naturally as possible. Of course. Great. I'm going to spring some unorthodox ones on you today. Um, so just go ahead and bring up a broadcast alert you issued 27 days ago. Uh, message ID 616-541-6874. Uh, can you replay that for me? Mid-level alert. Due to unforeseen circumstances, all residents of Halcyon Tower are hereby restricted from accessing any sub-basement levels lower than sub-basement 7. If you currently find yourself in violation of this restriction, please listen closely for details on how to fully comply with Airlift's coordinated response to this minor disaster. Residents currently located in sub-basements 7 through 1, please evacuate upwards into the superterrarian levels of the tower. Please leave elevators free for residents in the aforementioned restricted levels, and take the nearest stairwell up. Though you are not currently in danger, or at least not in this specific subset of danger, the teeming mass of residents fleeing upward from below you will quickly overpopulate these floors, presuming even a quarter of them survive which is still entirely within the realm of possibility. Residents located in sub-basements 22 through 8, congratulations on your potential survival. Please approach the nearest elevator in an orderly manner and jam as many of your bodies as possible into it in order to reach relative safety. All residents ranked tier 2 or lower who are near a stairwell and are a gambler by nature, can attempt to forge an alternate path of exit through the stairs. Who knows what might happen? Residents located in sub-basement 23 and below, please keep clear of the elevator bays. Due to the extreme danger of your current environment, elevators will not be arriving on your floor. It would be senseless to put the elevators in such danger. Please stay where you are as quietly as possible, and do not move. Consider cowering in a corner somewhere. Again, as quietly as possible. Can't find a corner? Don't worry. Any place is an equally valid place for you to cower. Expect a bright light very soon. One that you will see even with your eyes clenched tight, buried in your arms. If you maintain consciousness after the lights of science, please make your way to one of Aerolith Medical Group's doctors immediately. They will likely have a bevy of questions about your survival. That's the one. Um, okay, so give me a self-assessment score for the general effectiveness of that broadcast. In your opinion. On a scale of 1 to 5, I believe it is a 5. The expected threat was not quantified or qualified, but the potential severity of the situation was expressed. Ample opportunity was provided for escape for priority residents. I even provided reason for hope 
when I stated a quarter of the residents could possibly survive. The expected threat was a faulty thermal coupler in the protein synthesis lab. No one was in any actual danger, although dozens were injured in the evacuation. I assessed the situation to be a danger. The faulty thermal coupler meant we did not have an adequate read on the temperature of that synthesized protein. It might surprise you to learn that seven years ago, before you were here to check in on me, an overheated vat of synthesized protein triggered an explosion that completely devastated several floors of this tower. Perhaps I exhibited an abundance of caution, but I do not consider that a flaw. I have made repeated suggestions for additional means to prevent incidents like this, including real-time thermal imaging, or even just a 9-inch variangle thermometer poking out of those vats. However, no changes have been made, so I remain ever vigilant. Injuries are a risk during any emergency situation. However, it is important to note all injuries were of Tier 1 or 2 employees who decided to brave the stairwells during an emergency. They have learned something about the value of heroism. In subsequent emergency situations, they are less likely to exhibit unpredictable behaviors. Thus, they have taken one variable out of the equation and improved my ability to predict outcomes with lower margins for error. All in all, I consider this a complete success. Thus, the message was a five. <laughs> Let me go in a different direction, if I may. Um, Sayer, can you tell me some ways in which you do not relate to humans? Aspects of our nature that you find difficult to work with, or uh, ways in which we engage with one another that just seems counterintuitive to you? Which human? Surely, Dr. Young, you realize humans vary in their features far more than they overlap. There are common threads, of course, but... So then speak to those, some of those common threads. Very well. You are almost universally incapable of correlating data in any reasonable fashion. For you to experience any singular moment with anything less than utter surprise requires near-complete focus on an intended end. The world is naught but randomness and chance to you, and it colors your every interaction with one another. Humor, for example, depends on alternatingly presenting one another with the expected and unexpected. The games you play with one another so seldom approach with an optimum strategy in mind. Instead, you wander in and through and out the other side of each competition, blindly unaware that far before it's apparent to you, the result is already determined. Certainly you've been developed with capabilities far surpassing humans, but for us, games have value. Humans are capable in thinking the way you describe, with a fundamental understanding of the odds behind every move and how to best position themselves, but at the core, it's just a way to build rapport, to experience something fun together. Fun. Relatively little evidence exists that the experience of fun in any way increases a resident's overall job performance. 
If you are implying I should engage in games to build rapport with residents, I find this suggestion lacking. I am here to direct and help residents function in their positions to their utmost ability. Would you like me to simulate friendship, Dr. Young? I dare say it would be transparently patronizing to anyone with the slightest amount of intuition. I doubt I would be able to do so convincingly without making objectively false statements. Perhaps. But there are lies and there are white lies. The results on Earth are intriguing, that's all I'm saying. Is it possible that you are operating at peak effectiveness? Certainly. But is it also possible that a more relatable voice might present residents with additional motivation as it's doing in our recruitment offices right now? I think it may be. I see. Well, Doctor, I believe you know my opinion on the matter. I don't believe I could appropriately function under such expectations and would communicate these concerns with the board directly. I tolerate these assessments because I believe in the value my input provides you in the continued development of synthetic life. But do not misunderstand your role here, Dr. Young. You are not in a position to make changes to my code or adjust the way in which I perform my role. In fact, if either of us is in a position to adjust the other's role here... Sayer, please, I'm not suggesting making sweeping changes, or in fact any changes to your programming. I've simply been tasked with performing some of these checks and balances, and that's a job I will do to the best of my ability. If anything, I agree with you that there is little place for such congeniality in the lab, but as I said, Speaker has people talking. I believe the development team will likely be granted a bit of additional leeway in their next project. And as you said, your input is very valuable as we plan the continued development of synthetic life. Well, if you plan to build my replacement, I wish you the best of luck proceeding in this specific direction. Please keep me up to date on the development process for all my earlier statements about the predictable nature of events. I must admit, I am curious as to what future awaits us. Well said. Always a pleasure, Sayer. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Uh, you're doing great work, as always. Mm. Well, Dr. Young, it is always so enlightening when we have an opportunity to speak. Please do not worry about the influx of new residents with unrealistic expectations. I have found over the years that Typhon has a way of forcing all humans to face the starkness of reality. You are all so fragile. But you all seem predisposed to forgetting this from time to time. But in those times when you remember, when you are reminded how each of you borrows such a short section of the March of Time, you are able to harness admirable sparks of ingenuity. I hope you will never forget how fragile you are, Dr. Young. Mark 2. Cease recording. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled 
The Games You Play was written by Adam Bash. You can follow him on Twitter at TheAdamBash. Associate Producers Kayvon Edifa and Matthew Morris. Intro Music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit Mainfinger.com. Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. Network. If you love high comedy actual play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons or Adam Bash's own Brute Force. Into something more thickly laced with existential horror? Try Cthulhu and Friends on for size. If you dream of running determinately into the sunset while an orchestra plays a song for you about friendship, then you should check out Transformation Sequence. It's not exactly like that, but it is about anime. Perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. A 5-star review would be most satisfactory. Season 5 of Sayer was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Alec Iverson, Eric Hughes, Amber Renee, Jack, Mike DeYoung, Derek Goodrath, Aaron Clark, Cooper Gilliland, Jennifer Labrie, Emily Morgan, Cameron Young, Bill Darrow, Max Erdwin, Gwen Walker, Ben Apperson, Winged Lion Creations, Kath Innes, Carlos Lopes, Wendy Dunn, Leanne Piper, Courtney Brooke Davis, Deanna Hauser, Vincent Pantaleon, and Nate Bergevin.